Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 49 called The Second Servant Song. Isaiah 49 is what you want tonight. We've been in Isaiah for 17 years. Just kidding. Not, not quite that long. But we're actually entering into a new section uh, tonight, and it's the second servant song, the second of four, and the shadowy figure of the servant of the Lord, the servant of Yahweh, emerges again. And uh, most scholars agree, commentators agree, that this is Jesus in our Old Testament. And it's a beautiful chapter. And it is introduced with an invitation to listen. So before we look at that, let me pray one more time. Father, I just want to pray that we would have hearts to listen to what you have to say. Listen with an obedient ear and to apply it. And that's our biggest challenge. It's not necessarily knowing truth, although that's important. But uh, actually doing the truth, actually executing it and doing it by the power of your Holy Spirit is the key, Lord. But we, we all realize we have a struggle with that and it's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment struggle. But the good news is every time we sit under the teaching of the Word of God, you speak to us and you strengthen us as we study the Word, as your Spirit uh, just fills us afresh. And so we just pray tonight that wherever we are, with our struggles, with our thoughts, with our emotions, with our spiritual life, with whatever uh, may be aching on our hearts or whatever we're rejoicing in tonight. We just pray that you'd speak to us, strengthen us, give us ears to hear what your Spirit says to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. By the way, I do have my New King James Bible tonight, just in case you wondered. That's because my other Bible's in my motorcycle. So you'll be getting New King James if I read from any other uh, parallel passages. Listen to me, O islands, if you have a New King James that says coastlands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, Isaiah 49, verse 1, from the body of my mother, he named me. Now, I mentioned to you that this is a new section. Notice that in this section, there is a call to the islands or the coastlands And uh, in the NIV, it is a call to the distant nations. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Now, I want to take you back to Isaiah 40. We began that section of Isaiah's 40, uh, chapters 40 through 48, where we talked about God challenging his people not to um, go with the false gods of the nations. And when he opened that section, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, he said these words specifically to Israel. And I want you to see the call to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, but the call of salvation is inclusive to both. It says in Isaiah 40, verse 1, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. And look at verse 2. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now this 
was the context going into 40 through 48, and it was, a, it was a word of comfort to Israel. Israel had sinned. They had gone into Babylonian captivity. But God was saying, you're going to be rescued. Hold on. Now in chapter 49, the call goes out, if you skip up there now, to the Gentile nations. In Romans 1.16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also, remember, to the Greek or to the Gentile. So here we have the order of salvation. We see this. Salvation is of the Jews or from the Jews, but it, we are grafted in, and the call goes out, listen to me, from this figure who describes himself as the one who the Lord called me from the womb. Notice, from the body of my mother, he named me. The call goes out to the distant nations from this servant, an invitation to listen. In Acts 2.39, it says, For the promise, that of the Holy Spirit and salvation, is for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. So if you sit here tonight as a Gentile or a Jew, and you've been called from whatever situation, whatever country, whatever background, to the Lord, that call came from him to you personally. The Lord called you. The Lord knew you. He knew where you were the day that the Spirit came knocking on your door and you opened your heart. He knew the uh, mess you had made, if you had made a mess of your life. And of course, all of us as non-Christians in one way or the other had done that. And he rescued us from the miry clay. In my case, he rescued me when I was about 20 years old, going my own way, destroying my own life. And he called me. And he called me to himself, and he called me through his son, Jesus Christ. He says, uh, this one says of himself, before I was born, the Lord called me. It's reminiscent of Jeremiah's call uh, before he was formed in the womb. And the Lord called me from the womb, If this is the ESV, from the body of my mother, he named my name. And if this is Jesus, and scholars agree that it is, and this is 700 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem, remember that when Joseph was pondering whether, uh, how he should really put Mary away, not whether he should, he, he thought, I'll put her away secretly. I don't want to disgrace her. An angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and told Joseph, don't be afraid, he was considering this, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, this is Matthew 1 verse 20, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So before Jesus was born, the angel told Joseph, she will bear a son, Mary will, and you shall call his name, Matthew 1 21, Jesus, Yeshua, for it is he who will save his people, remember, from their sins. From the body of my mother, he called me. He named me. The name of Jesus was given through the angel, but it came from the Father, and he named his son. And his name, Jesus, is the Greek form. Yeshua, or Joshua, is the Hebrew form. And his name means God, or Yahweh, is salvation. This is the one who will bring salvation. This is the gospel in the Old Testament. And that's what scholars have called these servant songs, the gospel of the Old Testament, the gospel um, predisposed uh, to us 
And it says in 1 John 4, 13 and 14, it says these words, By this we know that we abide in him, in Jesus, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And so in the, the prophecy given to us in an Old Testament book like Isaiah, there is the Messiah, named by the Father, to bring salvation. And that's what Isaiah's book is all about. It's all about God bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. Notice some things about this servant. He has made, the Lord has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. And he has also made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. Now, first of all, the servant says, the Messiah says, the Lord has made my mouth like a sharp sword. Now, in our uh, modern vernacular, we'd probably say that's not good, right? If someone has a sharp tongue, we'd say, ooh, man, every time you're around that person, ow, ooh, ooh, ah, man, their tongue is like a razor. And if that's you, uh, then you need to do some soul searching. But for the Lord, his mouth is like a sharp sword, is reminiscent of the fact that he would be the voice of God in the earth. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And he went around glorifying God. God in times past has spoken through in many ways, various ways to the prophets, etc. But now in these last days, Hebrews 1-2, he has spoken to us through his Son. Jesus Christ is the voice of God. He is the embodiment of grace. When people encountered him, even his enemies said, no, never did a man speak like this man speaks. Eloquence. Power, authority fell from his lips. He could say to someone from the uh, other side of the tomb, get up, and he got up. He could say to a demon power, get out of him, or be quiet, and they responded. His words were power-packed because he is God. And in his right hand, he held seven stars, Revelation 1.16. And out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in its strength. Twofold meaning in the book of Revelation, at least two things about this powerful word that he speaks. One, it's to defend his church. And two, it's to correct his church. Because in Revelation 2 and 3, this one that has the sharp tongue of like the sword corrects the church with that sharp tongue and sometimes you get a word and that word is correcting and that word does have that aspect of cutting you know when the people heard the gospel from peter lips peter's lips they were cut to the heart or cut to the quick and they said what must we do and peter said repent and be baptized each one of you in the name of jesus you will receive the forgiveness of your sins and the Holy Spirit will be given to you. Sometimes you get a word and it just cuts you. And you say, Al, for a second. But you know that the Lord's doing some surgery, right? And he's opening you up, not to just leave you with a gaping hole in your heart. That's not the way the Lord works. He opens us up so that he might bring healing. But he's got to expose some things in our life. 
His word is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly, that lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes, and, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They, they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe they have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And that word does have that aspect of cutting. You know, when the people heard the gospel from Peter's lips, Peter's lips, they were cut to the heart or cut to the quick. And they said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus. And you will receive the forgiveness of your sins and the Holy Spirit will be given to you. Sometimes you get a word and it just cuts you. And you say, Al, for a second. But you know that the Lord's doing some surgery, Right? And he's opening you up, not to just leave you with a gaping hole in your heart. That's not the way the Lord works. He opens us up so that he might bring healing. But he's got to expose some things in our life. His word is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And every creature is laid bare before the one to whom we must give an account. Everything's naked and open before him. And then it goes right in. If you read those verses, read Hebrews 4, 12 through 16 later, you'll see right after those verses I just quoted, it talks about the high priestly ministry of Jesus Christ, that he understands us, that he's a merciful, faithful high priest, and he invites us to a throne of... Did you know his throne... Is called a throne of grace. 
So right after we get verses about the power of that word and the way it can open us up and discern what's really there and that we're laid bare before him, then we get the sympathizing high priest who says, I'm here to help. Sometimes we think he opens us up just to throw a little salt on the wound, but he doesn't do that. He opens you up to heal you. And he says, call upon my name. I will heal you, but my word is sharp. It says, his mouth is like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand. Look at verse two. He has concealed me. Jesus is, you know, more concealed in the Old Testament than in the New. So God would reveal Jesus, if you will, the fullness of Jesus at the proper time. When the fullness of time had come, Galatians 4, 4, God brought forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. The proper time, Jesus came forth. He was like, made like a select arrow, uh, sharp, penetrating. And uh, here the servant says, he has hidden me in his quiver. Right when the time was right, Jesus would come to pull strongholds down and to hold up believers. That's what he does with his word. Look at Isaiah 50. The very next chapter, look at verse four. Of this servant, the scripture says, the Lord God, Isaiah 50, verse 4, has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. So this one, this servant, knows how to speak a word to sustain you. Sometimes you come into a Bible study like this or you turn on a radio program or you open up your email or someone shoots you a text and they've shot you a message from the Lord because it's usually a Bible verse and you say, you know what, Lord, you knew exactly what I needed. See, he knows how to speak a word to sustain the weary and he knows how to speak to our situations. And he said to me, Isaiah 49, verse 3, Speaking, the servant's now saying of himself how the Lord has interacted with him. You are my servant, Isaiah 49, 3. Now notice this, Israel, in whom I will show my glory. Now when people read this, they get a little confused because they say, if this is speaking of the servant, why would God or the Lord call the servant, the Messiah, Israel? Well, remember, Israel had a problem. If you look at Isaiah 48, verse 1, this was the problem. Just skip back one chapter. Look at 48, 1. Hear this, O house of Jacob, 48, 1, who are what? Named Israel, who came forth from the loins of Judah, who swear or take oaths by the name of the Lord. They invoke the God of Israel, but how do they do it? Not in truth, nor in righteousness. You see, the Messiah, Yeshua, who, who is here as the servant pictured, is the fulfillment of what Israel should have been. Israel, as a nation, was called to be a light to the Gentiles, and Messiah comes forth from Israel, from the God of Abraham, from the God of Isaac, from the God of Jacob. He comes from the tribe of Judah. He is the embodiment of what Israel should have been. But more than that, he is everything that I am not. His only failure is my failure. 
His only shame is my shame. He never sinned, but when he went to the cross, he was treated as though he had committed my sins. And any successes that I have or any righteous standing I have before the Lord is totally dependent upon his righteousness. Amen? So he is the perfect Israel, if you will. And he has come, look at Isaiah 49, verse 3. He has come as a servant. He did not come to be served, but to serve. And that's a lesson for all of us that we are servants. And in him, God says, I will show my glory. I want you to turn to the Gospel of John with me for a second. Jesus showed the glory of God. I mentioned John 1.14, and we, uh, he came and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. As John goes on in his Gospel, he records the first miracle of Jesus at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And notice what it says. This is John 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look at verse 11 with me. After Jesus turns the water into wine, and remember he took the water that was in the um, jars that they would use for ceremonial cleansing. And I've talked to you about that picture of how I think that represents how the, the blood of the new covenant cleanses us. It says in John 2, 11, this Uh, beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and what? Manifested his glory. And right there at that wedding, his disciples believed in him. If you go on in the Gospel of John and you look at John 11, verse 40, Jesus has approached the tomb of Lazarus and he's going to do that radical miracle of raising him from the dead after four days. John 11, verse 40. And he says... In that, in that section, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see what? You would see the glory of God. And of course she did. And Jesus raised Lazarus. You've been listening to the second servant song, part one on walk in truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 49. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids. If you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from our Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, maybe you've heard pastors or friends or people say, hey, just read a proverb a day, a psalm a day will make the blues go away. And often it does, but you might say, hey, it's not working for me right now. (laughs) What do I do now? Uh, I remember a, a, a pastor received a uh, a question from someone, and it was basically this. You're always talking about reading the Bible, read the Bible. What if I just don't feel like it? And the pastor's response was, that's probably when you need it the most. That was Pastor John MacArthur. That's probably when you need it the most. Hey, you know, sometimes uh, I don't feel like exercising. Sometimes I don't feel like eating healthy, and sometimes I don't. <laughs> but I tell you what. Uh, doing the right thing, even when you don't feel it, there are benefits. Even if you can't feel it, 
in the immediate. It will have dividends in the long run. I know my doctor has has said to me over the years, you know, uh, Michael, the issue is not that you get a burrito or a cheeseburger. It's that you just can't eat one every day. Um, it's it's about the long haul. And so maybe that's a good way to think about your uh, walk with the Lord is uh, it's a marathon. Pace yourself. Give yourself some grace when you need it. But stay at it because it pays off and pays great dividends in the end. Well, we've been talking about a, a step closer. It's another layer of the ministry of Walk in Truth. It's a, we're doing mini-sodes right now as podcasts. And we're tackling different subjects like the resurrection. We talked about recently the problem of evil. And there's so much to talk about in our culture. And just as a Christian, so many topics that we're going to be dealing with. Why don't you um, check out the podcast? And uh, we would love for you to be part of that so you can get all that extra teaching. A step closer, mini-sodes as we get more into the Bible, more into apologetics. And uh, maybe you have some questions that you would like dealt with on those mini-sodes a step closer. Maybe it's something like marriage or how to walk in the spirit or parenting, or maybe you'd like to know more about ministry. Hey, uh, if you'd like to suggest a topic that we can get into with our team, would you reach out at contact at walkintruth.com, email us the uh, area of interest. The email is contact at walkintruth.com. Look forward to hearing from you and look forward to being with you tomorrow. God bless. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events, too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 49 called The Second Servant Song. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.